I've done a teaching called The Night Watch where I, in fact, there's two or three that would be very helpful for you to get hold of, to listen to, and so we don't have to go over a whole lot of stuff. One of them is called The Night Watch. Another one we put on there um, beginning this year called I Can See. And I go through some of the stuff I did when I was um, a very new Christian trying to figure out how to see into this world of God. And, and one of those, those times was I shut myself away for a whole day and a bit in a dark room where I could not see any light. And I stayed awake and pushing and trying to engage to figure out how to, how to see. How, like, because if I'm in darkness, then I need to see the light. And our biggest problem is when you close our eyes, we see darkness, so we think it's darkness. Well, that darkness doesn't exist. What it is, is your brain shredding the light. Because you've trained yourself to see in darkness. This, this here is darkness. Because it's created light. The light we should be seeing in is creative light. And so, hallelujah, I can already feel you guys going, tweak, tweak, tweak. <laughs> There's two different forms of light. There's creative light and there's created light. God said, let there be light before he put the sun and the moon in place and said, let their light shine. And so we come out of a realm of creative light as a spirit being into the womb of a woman into darkness and then we train ourselves to see in darkness and we think this is the light and what we do is we untrain how to see in the light because by the time a child's about one and a half it can't see in the light of the glory anymore unless it's been trained to keep that window open and gradually we shut it down and so I love going to sleep at night because that's when I go into the light. Because that's why you're supposed to go to sleep. Actually, your sleep is supposed to be a trance-like state of euphoria in the presence of God. So your body is at rest. Hallelujah. You can all just nod your head and go, yes, Ian. <laughs> just because you've been taught... That sleep is sleeping. It's not sleeping. That's why people go into trances during the day is so that their body goes to rest and you don't need your body to function. And I think it was Maria Woodworth Etta. I don't know if she was the one that went. For five days. No toilet stop. No food. No water. Nothing, just. And then when she came out of it, she carried on preaching like she hadn't left five days before. And that's what your body is supposed to do at nighttime. You're supposed to go to rest, and then your soul and spirit are supposed to engage so that actually you can be in the realm of the kingdom doing what you're supposed to be doing instead of involved in what you shouldn't be doing during the day. But because we're enslaved, because of the curse to fulfill a day, we step out of the truth of who we are into what we've been made. But we're supposed to be the truth of who we are, even in what we've been made, because our DNA is supposed to be transformed to bear his image. 
Praise the Lord. It's just stuff. It's just all good stuff. Glory to Jesus. And so I talked a little bit yesterday um, uh, about light, and, and I'm just going to nail a few things today as well. Do you realize, I believe actually totally that we're trapped light. We, we're actually a, yeah. a spirit being in a body. I'm yeah. not a body that has a spirit. Because I wasn't created a human being. I was made a human being in the womb of my mother. I came out of the creative world of God into the womb of my mum and sat in the seat of her womb and then my body was woven around me. My physical form was made to house my spirit man, but I'm not a physical being. I'm a spirit being that has a soul that lives in a physical body. I'm not a human being with a soul and a spirit somewhere, sort of in there somewhere. And the sooner we get that revelation, the easier it's going to be for us to walk with the presence of God because God is a spirit. Hallelujah. God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit. So if God is a spirit, then the only way for you to fully engage is to be in the spirit. And when you're in the spirit, you're in creative light. Unless you choose to go into darkness. And unfortunately, most of the church has been taught to go into darkness. Because we've been told to move sideways. You know, speaking to something that's here, particularly... Everybody wakes up, well, most people, most Christians, I did for years, 15 years of my life. Get up, pray a little bit in tongues, and Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak to these spirits. And you even name them, and you give them names. <laughs> and then you start to talk about angels, and you give them names, and then people go, you're worshiping angels. You're even naming them. You're not allowed to do that? Well, wait a minute. If I'm worshipping angels by naming them, you, then you're worshipping demons by naming them. Same principle. Anyway, and so, I, I just, um, I, I do realize that we are creative light beings. And, and when we go into the world of God, you know, in the physical world here, we, our body is made up of atoms. Right? Little atoms that then form molecules, and molecules form matter. And Newtonian science is a study of what you can see. And quantum physics is a study of what you can't see. So can you see atoms in the atmosphere? Do they exist? Yet we don't believe that the spirit world exists because we can't see it. Now, your physical form... Just imagine, let's just take something here. If I was to burn a tree, you know, sit a tree, you got a tree, and you burn it. Do you realize that the same number of atoms still exist? The difference is now the atoms don't have a pattern or a frequency that forms the outline that frames the physical material. So... You know, I, I'm God's a scientist. I just need you to know that. God's a real good scientist. Like he knows 
the beginning from the end and he knows how to make material because he went, bah, and it was. So I kind of figure he's a scientist because you've got to understand how to make things if you're a scientist. And so I'm just trying to give you a bit of understanding how God makes stuff. Do you realize that atoms are eternal? They're out of harmony because the electron pattern on the outside is elliptical instead of circular. And our job is to bring everything back into circular, which then will turn back to light. Because then it spins in harmony. The reason that you can see physical stuff is because of disharmony. And so everything we see actually is dead. And every color you see is a reflection or a retention of something that's dead. The color's reflected from that because it's being absorbed. So you're looking at everything that's dead. And then also considering that we're 99.9% empty space, do you realize that if you were to take every, every single, um, the nucleus of every single thing and take out the space between the nucleus and the, and the atoms that go around the outside and the electrons buzzing around the outside, you could take the whole world and put it in down to about the size of a football. Yeah, heavy one. Yeah. <laughs> it would weigh lots. <laughs> but, but so our problem there, and well, not a problem, but part of the process for us to understand then is that it's the voice that frames everything. And it's that voice that is very, very important to us as believers because it's the voice of God that will frame us. Because we are found in his voice because he spoke and he formed us. And we formed after his image. So if we formed after something, we've got to be formed after his voice, which means that there is a pattern. So the secret to materialize matter is finding the pattern. Now the problem is, is that in this world that's right here, there's all these atoms that don't have a framework to sit in. And so you know how the scientific equation goes, E equals MC squared. You know, basic, basic physics formula, you know, E equals MC squared. That's energy is mass times the speed of light squared. Right, so to produce mass, you must have M equals E over C squared. Right, so mass comes from energy and light. So when God framed the world with his power, he is light, and with power and light, he produced mass. It's really, really interesting. I love the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet, the Aleph, which is um, a symbol or a picture of an ox. When you actually take the Aleph and look at the, the Hebrew letter, how it's written, actually it's a, it's a picture of a vav and a yod over a yod. 
And so what this symbolizes here is this is the what? Over what is. And so the what is the power, over is is the light, and vibe you can produce mass. Can anybody tell me what a what a T is in the English letter? Can you tell me what its meaning is, please? Well, it doesn't have a meaning. It doesn't even have a numeric. It doesn't mean anything. It's got to be mixed with other stuff to have a meaning. But the Hebrew alphabet doesn't. It's got a meaning and a life of its own because each letter is a being that opens the door to revelation. It's also numeric. It can be mapped numerically. So I just find this stuff really fascinating. Like, really fascinating. (laughs) So for you and I to create mass... We've got to be in the what. So for us to be in the what, we've got to be in heaven. And so when we're in heaven, the earth takes on the reflection of as it is in heaven. And then what's in heaven becomes a form in the earth, which produces material. And then we become the voice of God in the earth to frame up matter. So where do you think when someone gets healed? You know, they, I've seen this, you know, somebody without an arm. Comes out of their body. I like, I, I didn't pray for the person, somebody else did. Where do you think that comes from? You know, we go, oh, just God. Well, no, oh, just you and God. Because God won't do it outside of you. Did you realize that? He chose you to do stuff for him because he so loves you, he's ordained you and set you in place on the earth to bring his glory and the full revelation of his knowledge to the earth. That's why you're administrators of holy. And holy is the voice of God that frames material. So we've got to practice this side of going there. You know, I'm practicing. Because in every single thing in nature, there is a pattern already established. Now, what happens if there's things that you can't see that don't have a pattern? That's where revelation is to come to give you the pattern. Because in the future, we're going to create things out of revelation, not make them out of the knowledge of a previous pattern. And I know this is a bit, a bit heavy, but when you, when you get it, you'll really get it. And so you and I have the capacity to frame this world around us. Do you realize that when you come out of the womb of a woman, you don't see? 
For the first hour or so, you don't see anything because you've come into darkness. And then what you're seeing is in your head. So I ask people, you know, they say to me, Ian, I can't see. When I do see, it's only in my head. Uh huh. So I ask them a question Where do you see me? Do you see me here or do you see me here? Let's break it down scientifically for you. Excuse me for my hieroglyphics. I'm not, I'm not an artist. So what we do is we have a human being out here because that's the crust of the earth. And we have an eyeball over here. And what happens is you see the human being standing upright in the screen of your brain. Now, are you seeing me here? Or are you seeing me here? Well, actually, you're seeing me here. But I've learned that when I see you here, it's out there. That's why a baby, when it first comes out of its mother's womb, goes, Because what it's trying to figure is how far away is this thing I can see in here from me? The moment, sorry, did you like that? <laughs> you got to watch babies. I mean, I, I was fascinated with my kids. I learned all this stuff from watching my kids. And so what a baby does is a baby begins to frame, because it can't see more than two foot. When it first comes out of the womb, it can't see more than two foot. Just enough to see its mother's face, to begin to frame the rest of its existence from its parents' life. Because you're made from the framework of your parents' DNA. And their reference to frame the world around them is also seen from their parents. So a child begins to frame its world by beginning to measure photons, which are particles of light. When you measure particles of light, they come together and they form an object. If they are not measured, then they just empty space and they continue on their pathway and there's nothing there. So everything around us, we've learned to frame. By measuring particles of light and so now we've got to learn how to measure particles of creative light so when God first begins to speak with us it's all in our head it's inside your head God will open a window sometimes and you will see but there's also still inside your head because you can't tell me time and distance in there or distance and space in it because you haven't framed it around you yet. And the way that humans frame the stuff that is around them 
is they accumulate their present, measured against a past experience, becomes a memory. That memory has a seat of revelation in it that frames the next memory. Without that framework of accumulation forming memory, you would not be able to frame all this because you would not be able to see it. Because all of this was built around your parents' face. This is good stuff. It just kind of helps you to understand. You know, I'm sorry, I'm not quoting lots of Bible scriptures for you. You can do that in your own time. You can go and read the Bible. But to understand it, you've got to understand some of this process. Now, if God is a being of creative light, and we see in created light, then we've actually got to begin to understand, I've got to engage creative light. And so what we do when we worship, we close our eyes. And we go all the way back to feeling. Because I feel the presence of God. That's what we do, don't we? The reason you close your eyes is you should be seeing from the inside out, not the outside in. The reason you close your eyes is to stop measuring the outside world, which shuts down the capacity for you to measure the inside world. Hallelujah. Just nod your heads. Yes, yes. It's all good. You, you get the CD, you listen to it over and over. Eventually, it'll crack the skull and you'll, you'll break out of your box. And, and, I, and I can remember, you know, years ago, kind of, I don't know why I'm going down here. I wasn't what I wanted to talk on this morning, but it's all good. I, I can remember kind of thinking, God, I, I, you know, I want to I wanna see. You know, you ever had that kind of, I want to see. Now, I've got a bit of tenacity. You know, I can get, um, and I won't let go. That's ADD, which is a real gift. And so, um, well, you know, you, you need to understand, I did have ADD, and I was also dyslectic, and I was a very quiet man. I wouldn't say boo in a crowd of people. My worst nightmare is saying hello to new people. <laughs> Although you wouldn't know that. But it's all good, because I've learned how to override it by saying hello to other people. You shut that thing down by getting in its face and confronting it. Anyway, and so, <laughs> it is. I mean, you're going to make conversation with new people. Hi, how are you? What are they going to say next? Anyway, anyway, and so, um, <laughs> won't, won't go there. <laughs> what do you say next? So you've got all these conversation openers with people, so it makes you kind of look human. Not that I'm important. Anyway, and so, so, so what, what I want to see, you know, I can remember years praying, God, I want to see. And one of the Lord came to me, you know, he kind of, oi, what do you think you're doing? Well, you know, they do it. It's amazing how we try and blame someone else for the things we're doing when we realize God's speaking to us to do stuff we should be doing and undoing because we've never been taught the right way. So we blame somebody else for doing it the wrong way. And so oh, they did it. I heard them praying like that. They wanted to see in the Spirit, so I want to see in the Spirit. And he goes, really? Well, what are you asking for? Well, I want to see in the Spirit. Really? I was like, okay, there's a conversation going downhill right here. <laughs> and he said, what do you ask? What's the desire? See, the key to frame the world of the kingdom around you is desire. That's the key. The key that unlocks the things of the world of the Father is desire. And so I said, Lord, I, I, well, I desire to see. 
into the world of your kingdom, into the domain of your government, into the realm of the angelic. I desire to see into your world. He says, well, why don't you ask me for that instead of just, I want to see. <laughs> so, so I started asking, right? And then I closed my eyes. I want to see. see into the world of God. And all I see is black. You know, you put your face, you might as, well, as far as I was concerned, I might as well put my face up against a wall and try to look through the wall. See, we believe inherently in us that the little black screen we see goes on forever. Because we think it encompasses us. And you know something? You are totally right. But not according to the kingdom and not according to what's inside your brain. You have taught your brain to shut out and to shred every single bit of information by engaging this world to shred the kingdom world. Have you ever seen a baby looking at you and then it goes? (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen him do that? I watched all my three kids do that. I'm going, Lord, that's cheating. They see more than what I do. <laughs> it's because they do. Because they haven't unlearned and got amnesia about what the truth of who they really are yet. And so I, I used to get really mad with this black screen. And, and, and I decided one day, well, I'm going to pull on the black screen. No, and we think that it's just empty space. Well, no, actually, it's in your brain. Glory to Yeshua. And so, I grabbed hold of the, the back screen and I went, Arr. It was amazing. Because all I saw was light. It was like, oh, I can see light. And all it goes, uh-huh. But now here's the problem. Just like a baby coming into this world, I've got no reference for what's in the light. Because I've got no memory, no capacity to frame what I'm seeing, to measure what I'm seeing against, because it's all gone because I've framed this world around me. And so for a number of years, I just used to see light. It was like I closed my eyes and everything would go white. Just why? It was because I did that. All I would see is light. It used to drive me nuts. And then, and then oh, hallelujah. And then, praise you, Jesus, I started to see these things going. I'm thinking, man, this is electrolyte orchestra playing here. I got really mad because how come I can't give a framework to what's going on inside my brain here? How come I can't give a, a you know, how, how come there's no reference? Because I actually don't have a reference for what I'm seeing because I don't have any knowledge of it. Because all I've ever done is read it. But I've never framed up in my mind what I've seen using my imagination to give some sort of framework for what I'm seeing in the light. And so, I, I pray, Father, by faith, I draw 
on the light of the knowledge of the glory of God from inside of me. Now I'm just seeing in my head. It's because I've never learned time and distance in the kingdom world yet. And so I'm busy praying and these things will go. And you see these red and white patterns. Anybody see those? Black and white and red and white patterns and weird things inside your brain. After about five minutes with your eyes closed and focused, you'll find find these things. They'll start doing this on the outside. It's because what's happening is your spirit man is trying to frame a different world around you. It's trying to frame it up. And so what I would do is, is I, I learned eventually that when those things go, ooh, 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 you can actually move with them. So, I, I, so, so it, was, it was one of the weirdest experiences I did because I started having all these things and, I thought, and now, I'm, now I'm really focused because ADD, you know, shut everything else out. I'm, I'm in the light and I'm waiting for that thing to start. And I close my eyes and I would go, and I see this kind of red pattern come into the middle here and then go, open up. And then I find it was starting to go away. And the moment it started to move away and get, I realized I was actually measuring distance. And so I started going forward towards it. I'm not going to let it go. And it would disappear. <laughs> now, here is a reality. Actually, I've just seen. Not that I failed to go where I was looking and to see the fullness of what I was seeing. And because we don't follow it through, we say, I can't see, because we haven't got a framework for what we're really seeing. And so the creative light that is around us, God empowers us to put a framework to it. The Word of God has got to be the foundation for how you frame that world up. You, do you realize there's lots of pictures in here? Lots and lots of pictures. And I, I realize that, that if there's pictures in there, then I've got to give a framework to some of those pictures. And so um, in one of, the, one of the scriptures, it says, you know, and the thing is in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I think it's Psalm 23, is it? Yep. You know, he leads me into green pastures beside still waters. My, you know, and it goes on. I thought, okay, well... He leads me in green pastures beside the water. In my father-in-law's farm, they had this river down the bottom of his farm, and one day, one, one year, it flooded. And when it flooded, it put all the sand out, you know, from the riverbank, and it was nice and flat. And about two months later, there was this green grass that came out of it. And I was like, hmm, let's see. Put me in green pastures beside still waters. And I thought, okay, well. I'm going to go and take the word for its reality and I'm going to go and stand beside and lay down on the grass, you know, by faith in case I can frame it. And just in case it doesn't work, then I can blame it. (laughs) And so I laid on the grass listening to, do you realize water's got a sound on it? I don't know whether you've ever listened to it, but it whispers, it kind of, it sings. It's a very, very high pitch. It was amazing when I was in Namibia. I sat on the desert floor for eight hours just enjoying it. And it got to a point where I could hear ants walking up the stalk of a grass. Just amazing. And so, that's my fantasy world. And so, 
I was lying on the, so I laid on the grass there and I started meditating around the scripture. Now what I'm doing by laying on the grass is I'm framing the scriptural context up to give an anchor for revelation to be held inside my spirit, my, my, my body, my brain, my, my heart and soul. Because a man doesn't think his brain, he thinks in his heart. And so, a major issue right there. And so, I, I was lying on the grass, sort of thinking about the scripture. He lies me down in green pastures. So I started thinking about what it was like to be on this land, lying in the soft, lovely grass, and the sun was just coming up and just sort of sitting there thinking about how Jesus would have walked with his sheep. And what the job of a shepherd was, was to come around the sheep and to be with them and to sit with them and, and the river flowing past and the wonderful atmosphere and the birds singing in the sky and just sort of lying there, absorbing all the natural things that were around me. What I'm doing is I'm framing up the context of Scripture in a real form that gives my memory a trigger to be able to retain, sorry, I'm boring, retain revelation. I was just yawning. And so... It's all good to yawn. There's lack of oxygen. You just go, <sighs> and stops you yawning. And so, of course, it gives you a light head, which helps you engage the spirit more. Not really. And so, um, this is really bad. Eh? I'm half drunk again. Holy Spirit, help me. And so, I can remember lying on, on, this, on this paddock of grass, standing there, engaging the presence of God and trying to get some memory trigger and something and looking at all these things. You know, boom, boom. Like that's just, because by then the sun had come up. And when the sun gets on the front of your eye, on your on your eyelids, it's like, whoa, look at that. You can't really see much, but whoa, look at that. It's just all light, you know? And so I can remember lying on there, and, and then there was the most amazing sensation that started happening to me because I suddenly realized that the smells were different. And I was like, that's really weird. Now you've got to understand, I'm now out of focus. And now focusing on something totally new that wasn't there before. Because what I'm doing is I'm starting to engage Revelation. Because now Revelation has a framework to be seated in. And I was lying on the paddock there and suddenly there was different smells there. And then I, I felt the grass, it was like the grass was moving. It was really weird. It was like I was, I thought, man, I'm fainting. Because that was the kind of sensation. It was like, whoa, this is just really cool actually here. My whole head was going, wee. Yeah, it's really wonderful. And, you know, I should have realized what was happening is kind of getting drunk. And so the atmosphere changed and I opened my eyes. And when I opened my eyes, sorry about that. <laughs> when I opened my eyes, I was not there any longer lying on that little paddock of grass with a river running in front of me. I was now in the spirit in the form of total revelation on a green grass in Eden, seeing the presence of the Lord walking towards me. And I was like, yeah, I can see. Now, I've gone through 5,000, well, over 6,000 gates like that from the Word. Because that's just a gate. It's a gate of entry into the truth of the testimony of the revelation that God has painted for us from his word that leads us into intimacy with the God and into understanding how his world functions. I'll give you another good one I did. I, I, um, I, and again, some of these are in some of the teachings. But for us to frame up 
the world of God. We've got to have the voice of God sitting in us. And the only testimony we have of the reference at this point is the word of God. Because that's the voice of God speaking through another person, his testimony, which we spoke about last night. You know how the word of God isn't God, it's just somebody else's testimony. But the word is the testimony. And so we can frame up what we understand to give us an inroad, how to go into the fullness of it. Because when we first see it, we do not see in the fullness. We do not see the fullness of what God wants us to see. We just have a little piece, but that's why you've got to go back, you know, record, review, revisit. And so to that scene now, I can lie in my room at home and I can go back to the same place without having to lie on the grass because I've got the memory of what happened. And then I work off the memory as the trigger not the physical framework that became the trigger at the start. And then I don't start where I first started. I start where I last left off because you accumulate the present against your last experience. And God frames the whole world of the kingdom like that around you. And so another good one I did was the Bible talks about Ezekiel and his river. And it talks about how Ezekiel went into the river up to his ankles, into his knees, then to his waist, then to his, you know, his shoulders, and then... He was immersed and it was so deep you could not swim in it. So I decided, okay, because I understand how the kingdom works, I am going to go and frame this thing up. So we have this beautiful lake in my nation called Lake Taupo. Lake Taupo is also has some geothermic areas next to it, which means the water is a little bit warmer. Hallelujah. Because really it's actually freezing. Anyway, and so, because it's really, really deep. And so um, I got on the side of the lake, but I had my togs on and I put a weight belt on. Then I put a snorkel in my mouth because I don't want to be distracted having to think about breathing. And so I'm now, I, I, don't, I don't really know what it was like for people walking past, but actually I, I don't really care because what I'm doing is I'm framing revelation. I'm putting a framework to reality so that the world of the kingdom becomes my reality. And so I stood with my feet in the water Praying through the snorkel. What I'm doing is I'm drawing on the physical sensations of being in that lake according to the word to walk into Ezekiel's experience. Because that's just the gate of revelation that we can walk through to get more than what they got. Did you realize that? Anyway, and so... I'm sitting there praying away, and, with no, and it goes up to my, my ankles, and then I walk up to my knees, you know, 15 minutes each. So I was in the water for about two hours. Thank God it was warm. Anyway, and so, you know, up to your hips, and shut up, and then up over your chest, you know. And so, sorry, that was really bad. Wipe that from the CD. And so... It's all Alan's fault. <laughs> and then, and, and so I'm praying. So each of those stages was an engagement, thinking about what it was all about, the process, the protocol of what Ezekiel had to be covered with, why. And, and while I'm praying and doing that, I'm getting massive downloads about all these different things, about the functionality of a priest to walk in the river and, you know, what it really means to have it up over your chest and the, what you reproduce in your life and, and the knees and your feet to what it means to stand. I mean, just all this revelation was going, ah. And I'm just walking into a lake going into a, into a snorkel. 
You know, I'm sure, I'm sure somebody got some photos of me. I really am. I, I'm surprised I wasn't put in the newspaper the next day. Insane man seeing standing in the water, speaking through a snorkel. Anyway, and so, and so what I did was I went, I went into the water up to my shoulders. Now I'm getting, oh, I was getting really plastered by the presence of God thinking, oh my goodness, this is amazing. This is just amazing, you know, because by then I realized the water was passing through me. Anyway, and so I kind of got in above my, above my snorkel. Yeah, sorry, my snorkel was above the water, above my head. And when it was above my head, I, I, I realized, my goodness, this is the glory of God. I'm actually, by faith, standing in the river of the glory of God. And I was like, well, I could just die right now, and everything would be so good. Hallelujah. And for about 15 minutes, I stood in there, and then I walked back out the same way I walked in. Must have been really weird, you know. I mean, anyway, whatever. I, I enjoyed it. I'm sure people on the beach did too. And so, now, when I went home, what I would do is I'd start to pray in the Spirit. And using the trigger of what I've seen, using the trigger of the memory that I had accumulated while meditating around the Word of God, doing something that is written in the Word, forming and walking through the gate of another's experience, I begin to pray in the Spirit, begin to engage the water on the river of God over my legs, over my feet, over my hips. I'd fallen on the floor and didn't even know. I was just in the spirit. And then I realized you could breathe in the river of the glory of the Lord because it's all living. And when you're there, you are light particles that are living. When you are there, the particles of what you are made up are creative light that has a complete essence and understanding of every other particle of creative light in that world. Can't you feel that stuff in the atmosphere? It's like, yeah. You know, God's going, hello down there. See, your human body is made up of cells. The cellular connection and communication between the, through the literal conductivity of your cellular system, all your cells know everything you are knowing and experiencing at all times all in the same way, every single cell of your body. Now, you better believe when the word says that we are made in his image. I'm seeing sequins all over the place on your floor here. We've had them show up in meetings before, so I'm just fascinated. Anyway, and so, what was I talking about? (laughs) Sally Communication. Thank you, Jesus. And so, so, so your body knows all about the cells of the communication that's going on. So you better believe that when you are in the kingdom world, in the realm of God, every single structure that God has in place in heaven knows you at all times. And you know all about it at all times, all at the same time. 
So when we are there, we become particles of light. All mixed in with every other particle of light. The thing that gives you identity is the thought and intent of your soul. That's the thing that frames you in that world. So you become a, a vortex. You become a voice. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just getting out of the way here. <laughs> you become a voice. That's right, I'm seeing stuff. And it's all good. And so um, you become a voice in that world that then takes an appearance in that world as a voice. And the voice is your soul speaking. And desire is that voice. And that's why the word says, whatsoever a man desires, let him ask and he pray and he will receive. Because desire frames the world of God. And so when you frame it there and you come out of the world, because only he that comes out of heaven can bring life to the earth. You can't bring life to the earth just because you pray on the earth. You won't release life on the earth in any form whatsoever unless you come out of heaven. Because only once you've been in there do you have the capacity to frame that here. We then come out of that world down here and we begin to release light. And by releasing light, we frame the kingdom of heaven into the earth's atmosphere. The Bible says that out of our belly flows rivers of living water. The reason it flows out of us is because in the day before man was made, it says that a river ran through Eden to water the garden. So Eden and the garden are two totally different places because God planted a garden eastward in Eden. Yeah. yeah. And so a river runs through Eden to water the garden. And from thence it parts into four heads and waters the earth. In that day, the glory of God came through those four rivers and watered the earth. In our day, it comes to the four chambers of your heart through your belly to water the earth. And so there is a river that flows through us, given the right framework, will manifest and reveal in the physical nature of this world to conform and change this world back into the material of light to what it should have been before the fall. That's our job. Our job is to become a full expression of heaven in the earth with the full knowledge. Man, it's 10 past 11. But the full knowledge of God. I don't know. How did you get there? Did you turn the clock around? It's you. It's you. It's all your fault. <laughs> and so to take all that, because I did stop as I caught a pass thinking we'll only have three quarters of an hour. And so to take all of this and through the life of God flowing out of you to frame his world in your world, and therefore in this world, you become the voice of God. You cannot become the voice of God in this world unless you've been into the voice of that world. We've got to be in that voice because that voice brings revelation to you, and out of that voice, you can frame and reframe this world, which means that we are going to be able to do E equals MC squared which means we are going to be able to do mass over 
was it? Power over the speed of light. Because we will have the power of that world flowing through us. And because we are in creative light and out of creative light, this physical matter was formed, we are going to be able to create things that have never been seen on the face of the earth. You know, have you ever, have you ever wondered? I'll try and finish soon. Have you ever wondered, you know, where all the animals came from? I mean, the Bible talks a little bit about it. It says that, you know, God brought all the animals to Adam to frame them. Sorry, to name them. Well, the name's the frame, by the way. So in naming them, he framed them. Because he was the voice that gave them a testimony to be formed in matter. So God would have bought a conglomeration of particles and said to Adam, name it. Hippopotamus. I mean, where did you get that word from? You know, it was amazing. Have you, have you ever listened to kids talk? We, we showed our daughter, you know, when she was about, this is Madeline, when she was about eight months old, we showed her a picture of an ele- elephant. And she goes, we didn't even tell her. She goes, a bleep. What's an a bleep? And we say, elephant, a bleep. So I started really wondering if actually the elephant's real name there is a bleep. You know, and so, <laughs> excuse me, I'm really not here. It's all good. <laughs> and and so, so, so what, I, what, what we found was that because Adam was able to frame stuff, he named it. You know, God brings this two-legged being in front of Adam. Adam goes, whoa, man. Anyway, and so, anyway, and so <laughs> sorry. That's really bad. That's evil. <laughs> Not really. And, and so, but I thought it was funny. And so, so, so part, of, part of our job as sons of God on the earth is to frame the kingdom world of the Father in our world here. And to be able to participate and frame that, we've got to be in His world. We've got to go into His world. We've got to experience His world. We've got to participate in a functionality in His world. And, and let me tell you this, that world is vast. I've, I've been going in and out of it now for 32 years. And, and in some measure and, and whatever. And, and, and it's amazing. Like, you know, I, I, we, we taught, you know, I taught all my children to go into heaven and we went with them and all that stuff. And, and one day my son comes to me, and I'll finish with this because it's now nearly quarter past. And so my, my son comes to me and he says to me, Dad, you know in Eden... When you go down the path and you pass the rosebush and you go where the God is and you kind of walk down the back and you've got that mountain there and then, then beyond that, there's a golden mountain. You know that golden mountain that's down there? And I'm going, what? He goes, yeah, you know that mountain you go to and then on the other side, you know where you go and, and you walk down past that and you go right down the other side of it and down over there behind it, there's a big golden mountain. I'm going, no. He says, well, you know the one where God comes down? You know, when he comes, you know you've got to be in there, Dad. I'm going, No. <laughs> And so my son talked about what, what he saw in his experience with God. And I went, okay, well, I'll blow this. I'm going to go and have a look too. Because another's revelation becomes a doorway for revelation for you as well, by the way. And so, 
so I went and I went going to Eden, walk through Eden, all that stuff. And I go down past the mountain, down past the hills, go around the edge of this mountain. And sure enough, there's a golden mountain there. The golden mountain is there because that's where God comes out from the throne of government and sheds his glory there and takes off the cloak of his covering of that measure and it just falls off as gold. So this amounts to a mountain of gold. And it's just wonderful stuff. And so the reality is that my son was able to frame something for me that I'd never seen before, yet I knew was there because the moment he said it, everything in me went off. Because you must realize you already know all this. You, you do, there is nothing new under the sun. You already have the full knowledge of all of this. All I'm doing is bringing triggers back and saying, hey, there is a way back from whence you have come. And that way back is through the veil. And it starts in a simplistic form, like last night, going back through the veil. I'm sorry I'm boring. And so... I'm just watching people yawn, so, you know, oh, you need a break. And so let's stand up on our feet. Hallelujah. The next session, I will get to doing what I was going to do in the first session. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, today we want to stand. And by faith, we enter the world of your domain. We enter the world of your kingdom, Father. Because Jesus tore the veil. Father, we press through that veil and we enter into the world of your presence. Father, by faith today, we stand in that world of your presence. And we ask you to teach us to frame your world, Father, in our world. Father, to give us insight and revelation in the knowledge of Christ, the fullness of of the measure of sonship, Father, the, we, that we might know the height and depth and breadth of our calling in Christ. Lord, that we would be able to be formed in the nature of the Son and the earth. We stand here today and we say, Lord, give it all to us, Lord, that we need for our life to be fulfilled, to fulfill our scroll, to fulfill our purpose that we agreed to before we were in the earth. Father, we want to walk in that in the name of Yeshua. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we just bring back out of this world of your kingdom into our world the full measure of the knowledge of Christ that into this world, Father, we frame the measure of Jesus Christ. We frame the dominion of the kingdom world of God, the government of heaven, Father. We frame it around us today, Lord, in the name of Yeshua. Father, we frame that government. Father, we frame it into the spirit world around us. Father, we frame a house and a tabernacle. Father, for your presence to dwell in, in the name of Yeshua. We frame it up, Father. We make a covering. Father, we make a place for your presence to dwell in, in the name of Yeshua. We stand in his name today, Father. And we frame it from the midst of your name. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah.